Welcome to the Faith is Not Blind podcast. I'm Eric Devonier, and today we're here with Christian Mollum. Christian, welcome. Christian uh, Mollum is a communications professor at BYU-Idaho. Uh, Christian, could you give us a little bit of background about yourself? Um, yeah, I'm from uh, northeast England, um, so County Durham. Um, the, the town is Billingham, um, and so I'm from yeah, the top right of England. And I grew up there until I was about 11 and then moved to, to the Midlands. That's around the Birmingham area. Um, and so lived there for about near, almost another 10 years and, um, and then found myself back in the, the northeast of, of England. And you lived there till, till when exactly before you moved to Idaho? So we've, we've been in the States now. That's uh, myself, my, my wife and, and, and our kids, four then, five now. Um, my wife and I, we moved here five years ago, give or take. So this will be in September, it'll be five years. Wow. Uh, and enjoying it so far? Yeah, it's not bad. Yeah, no, we like, we like it a lot. We do like it a lot. I mean, don't, don't get me wrong, there's, there's lots of things that you, um, that, that you miss about, about the, the place where you're from. Um, but um, it, it's, I usually say to people who want to lead me down that, tell us what's better, tell us what's worse. Right. I just say it's different. And that, yeah. that, I, I don't see that as a cop-out. It's, um, it's, it's just, it's really good for where we're at now as, as, as a kind of, as a young family. Yeah. Um, yeah, burgeoning middle age, I like to think. So, <laughs> <laughs> but that's that's kind of where we're at. And so it's it's good. We really we really love it here. Fantastic people. I mean, we, we do miss the people back back home. Sure. But um, but yeah, this is lovely too. Yeah. So so tell us a little bit about um, the foundation of your testimony. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, growing up in England, your your family, your parents were members of the church. Mm-hmm. But tell us a little bit about the formation of your testimony. Yeah. So. Um, so my, my parents were, were, were both converts to the church, albeit my, my dad joined the church when, um, when he was a, a young boy. Um, and he, on his side of the family, they'd had like aunts and uncles and that kind of thing who were, who were members of the church, or at least aunts, um, who were members of the church and, and enjoyed it. There was even a portion of, the church, uh, of his family that had joined the church and then actually moved over to, to, to the Western States down in Utah, still there. Um, but um, his 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 dad had died when he was he was he was young, uh, when he was a little boy, and um, and then his mother married again. And when she married again, she married a, a member of the church who was actually a second generation member of the church. Wow. Um, yeah, his name was Joseph Nephi, <laughs> <laughs> and so um, but but he he was a fantastic guy, the only grandfather I knew, and um, and so that that was my dad's side. Um, and then on my mum's side, she um, joined the church when she was street contacted in Stockton Town Centre, I think when she was about 17. Wow. And so her and a, and a, and a few of her friends joined, her, joined around that time. And then in that kind of, I suppose, young single adult environment as they grew up, um, they, they, they got to know each other and, and hit it off. Mm-hmm. And, then, um, and so I'm one of, one of six kids. Um, I've got a younger brother and four older sisters. And, um, and it was a very, very, very happy kind of, uh, I don't know, growing up in, in, in the northeast of England, Latter-day Saint home. Um, we always knew that church was a, was a, was a big part of, of what we did. Um, home evenings, that kind of thing. I mean, I'm not necessarily remembering kind of what we were talking about, but it right. was always what's for treat kind of thing. <laughs> what is it? What's the incentive? Right. Um, and so we'd, 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 we'd sing songs and do it. I can remember like lots of fun though. It was a, yeah. it was a fun home. And, um, and, and just the way that, um, just the way that my parents were, I knew that this was something that meant a lot to them. 
and um, and so so that was that. So that was that kind of formative foundation. But yeah. notwithstanding that, when I was um, when I was a teenager, um, I was quite a quite a willful boy, <laughs> as all of as all of my um, my siblings are as well. I think that we've we've all got kind of. Yeah big opinions about ourselves, notwithstanding, I don't know whether that's us fighting our respective corners as, as children in a big family, right. um, or it's just the nature of our personalities. I think it's a bit of a mixed bag of, right. of those kind of contributing factors. But, um, but yeah, th throughout my uh, early teen years, um, I started really not to be that into church. I'd go because it kept my parents sweet. Right. Um, and, I, and I thought, well, it's better not to kick up a fuss and just kind of get out of bed and, and show up. And I did have friends there as well. I, I was socially inclined to, to plenty of aspects of it. Yeah. Um, so that was that. Um, but it was, it was the, uh, the, the early 90s and um, the rave scene was what it was. And so parties and, and, and good times were, but were very much a pull and a draw for me. And so I was, I was just more into that. And, um, and so notwithstanding this kind of nice, grounded, um, spiritual, in hindsight, right. um, foundation. Um, it wasn't something that played a big part. I really wasn't switched on to, to things very much spiritually. And, and what's interesting, you know, as we've done a few of these podcasts, one of the things that, that one of the themes, I think, that's been present is um, for, uh, you know, a lot, of, a lot of Mormons, especially people that were born into Mormon families or mm. even part member families, the church is there, right? It's, sure. it's, it's there, um, sometimes background, sometimes foreground, but it's mm. there. Uh, a lot of the children know that it means something to the parents. Sure. But there's always this kind of movement, I think, in the, the maturation, you know, the, the spiritual maturation process where a testimony needs to be one's own sure. at, at some point. And so there, there needs to be this moment where um, I think a, a disciple chooses to yeah. follow. Uh -huh. And so, so for you, uh, you know, you've, you've got this really nice foundation with, with wonderful parents and uh -huh. siblings, and, and you've got this, this nice uh, ward that you've got there in England, but there's this, this draw, right, to, to this other scene that, that goes <laughs> on, um, the draw towards other things. Um, so, so tell us a little bit about what was it with that, you know, what, what drew you outside uh, to some of those other things, like mm. to the rave scene? And then how does that play a role in the formation of your testimony? Yeah. You, you know, like how did you get from, from that area? Mm -hmm. you know, and we all know a lot of teenagers, we all have been those teenagers, sure. right? Yeah. That, <laughs> that get involved in different things. But what was it that brought you back mm. to, to that testimony? Um, I'd say, I mean, what, what, what attracted me to kind of the, the, the alternative offers was... Um, uh, I am quite the social creature, um, and so I, li I like being with my friends. I like having fun. Um, yeah. I, I like to I like to laugh. I like to joke. Um, I like um, it, as, as dumb as it sounds. I like the uh, I like music a lot, and so I, I really like kind of like the, the, the dance music scene. Um, I'm from kind of a creative background. I'm in a vocation that's creative as, right. as someone who's teaching video production to other people and um, and I used to I used to like the the kind of the narratives that would play out in my head when I would kind of listen to this 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 music and that kind of thing as um, as, as daft as that sounds now um, but I still think that's one of the reasons that I enjoy music and listen to music I'm, I'm as much about the lyrics as I'm about the music yeah. and, the, and the stories that are told um, 
And so, so that was that, but mainly the social aspects of, um, of, of that kind of engagement. Um, but that started to, to, to become, after a good solid five years of, of that kind of carry on, that um, it, everything just started to kind of lose its luster a little bit. I wasn't getting what I was getting out of going out with friends and, and, and popping off to, to parties and pub crawls and that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, it just kind of wasn't floating my boat anymore. And it's like, oh, is this what growing up's all about? <laughs> and it was like, oh. Uh, and it was a bit of a downer for me. It's like, yeah. well, I wish, I, I, yeah. can, I can remember thinking as a little boy, um, there will never be a time when I will never play with toys. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. You, you look at adults and you think, what's their problem? They've got all that disposable income. Why don't they just go buy Toys R Us? Um, and so that kind of thing. And I found myself in this kind of um, stage where it's like, oh, I'm really not into this anymore. Yeah. I like my friends, um, but I didn't necessarily like who I was becoming. Um, I, was, I was pretty self-centered by, by that time. Um, quite sarcastic. Um, and the, the way that... Um, Often I would do things to, to make my friends laugh and that kind of thing. And, um, and often it was at the expense of other people. It was usually, there was a time when I was at, at, at high school when I was called out of um, the classroom to go and report to the, um, the head of year. That's a big deal. Yeah. Uh, even more of a big deal when I open the door and my parents are sat mm. there. That's my dad's being called out of work. And my mum's there. Oh, and they are, they are fuming. And I can tell um, to the extent where this head of, head of year is just going to let them speak. Right, <laughs> They're just going right. to be witness to it. <laughs> and, um, and my dad says, it's your mouth again. And I was like, ooh. And that was kind of, that kind of summarises the kind of the trouble that I used to get myself into. Smart mouth, um, always with a comeback, um, always often with a put down, and it really wasn't that clever. Um, I mean, you know me personally as well, so... <laughs> that, that's why I keep <laughs> smiling, you can see the smiles. Yeah, but, yeah. Yeah, but the thing is, and that, that's something that I haven't fully weeded that garden, but um, it needed to get squared away, yeah. and so I wasn't happy with who I was and where I was, and so what I did from the Midlands where I was living with my parents, I went up for one last party up what well, I thought, oh, I'll just have one last kind of big shindig um, up in um, the northeast of England because I had lots of friends there that I'd grown up with that I was still really, really tight yeah. with. They were actually members of the church, though. The crowd that I hung around down south with were not. And, um, and I went up for this, this, with this one last hurrah, and, um, and it was really a bit of a damp squib. It really didn't, again... Um, push the buttons that I wanted it to and, um, and I just found myself kind of like adrift really lacking purpose kind of thing um, and so I thought what can I do and this is this is where a quite an incidental but but quite purposeful um, uh, caveat needs to be mentioned years prior to my moving or after I'd moved from the the northeast in 1989 a short while later, Elder Neelay Maxwell came and visited the, um, the stake. And, um, and one of the things that he said um, to the members of the stake, especially to the parents, um, he blessed them, an apostolic blessing, and, um, and said, um, you will, um, your children, um, who are all doing their own thing, who many of these parents might have thought kind of gone the journey, right, yeah? Right. Um, your children will come back um, and they will, 
um, it's interesting when you actually read the, the verbiage of what he said, that um, the things that they find attractive, the things of the world that they find attractive will not be sweet to them anymore. Um, and so interesting, I was kind of getting wafted back up north. I find myself back in that environment within the catchment area of that particular, particular blessing. Yeah. Um, and, and I found myself um, kind of fulfilling a portion of that, um, if only in a bit part of my own life, but it was, it was in, in, in incredible because I find myself in this situation where, yeah, I don't want to do this stuff anymore. I actually want to be somebody else, mm. that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, and I hark all the way back to um, what my parents had. I can remember thinking what my parents have got, what they had when, when I was a little person was just lovely. And so um, that's what I thought I'd, I'd like to have. And so having never prayed, I mean, I'd knelt by the bed with my parents, blessed sure. food, the old public yeah. prayer at, at, at church and that kind of thing. But a proper prayer as a, as a, as a young adult was not something that I'd ever done. And so, um, so I gave it a go. Um, and I can, remember, I can remember where it was. It was just, um, it was in this little house where my, my friends were living. And I was sleeping under their stairs, not like Harry Potter, it was open. <laughs> there wasn't a door. Um, and so people are going to think that yeah, that's some Harry kind of a Potter British thing. Almost, yeah, yeah that's it. Someone, someone who hasn't really got a home has to sleep under somebody's <laughs> stairs. It wasn't the case, but, um, but I was, because it was just a convenient spot. And so I'm on this little kind of mattress and, 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 and bed set up, and, and I pray all night. Um, and I can't remember stop, stopping praying, but, um, but in the morning I woke up and... The, wind, the, the windows were, were open, the sunlight was open, um, figuratively speaking. Yeah. Um, yeah, someone had pulled back these curtains and it was like, oh, so this is what it's like. This is what the Holy Ghost is like that everyone's been banging about for, for all of these years. Um, and, it was, and, it was, and it was real, it was stark. Um, and for, for someone who is kind of like, I don't know, I'd, I'd kind of aesthetically switched on, I like kind of the look of things. Yeah. Like the whole world seemed different. Um, the way that I viewed other people was different. It's like, uh, yeah, it was a bit of a jubilee yeah. for, for quite a few weeks. Um, and naturally, I'm like, right, I'm going back to church. This is, this is me. This is who I am. But it, but it must have been difficult, too, right? As, as you describe, one of the things that, that got you into that scene was your love of being around those people and hanging yeah. out with them and the music. I mean, I mean, and that's wonderful. I mean, you have that that early rush of the spirit, mm. you know, that confirmation, sure. you're on that path, but it must have had its difficulties too as you're trying to pull yourself away from that life. It, it really did, and especially this, it, it, it kind of saddened me at the time quite a bit yeah. um, that I kind of, I, I literally kind of walked out of my friends who were down there in the Midlands, and um, I've subsequently got back in touch and kind of with socially media connected and all that kind of thing, but probably yeah. not, a pro maybe after like 20 years, I probably still haven't had a proper sit down. I kind of plan on doing that, but we're like, we're into each other's lives. I mean, they're, they're citizens now as well. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> they're tax paying people right. who, who, who aren't living the dream anymore. Um, and so they've got kids of their own and they're, they're married with families and yeah. stuff like that. And so um, I, I love seeing that. Um, but yeah, at the time there had to be this kind of this, this, I just walked out, this like kind of yeah. divorce from these friends and that, that hurt quite a bit. Um, and even with my friends up North, um, but it was different with them because they just thought, oh, Christians doing church now. Um, and 
for the most part, they kept on doing their, their, their own thing, but I was still like hanging around them. And I can remember kind of slipping back into a, a, a few old ways after, mm. after a few weeks and being like really profoundly upset with myself because erroneously, I'd actually thought that um, this was me, that I'd been given like this superpower and I was just going to be kind of, I was saved essentially. Yeah. Um, and so I can remember kind of being distraught. I think I smoked a cigarette or two or something like that. Um, and, and, and felt terrible about it. And, um, and one of my friends, who was still not on the wagon, he said, oh, um, he'd obviously done more seminary than me. <laughs> he, said, um, he said, oh, Christian, I don't think you meant to sort it out in like one day. He starts to explain the process yeah. rather than the event. Yeah. And notwithstanding, this was a milestone. This was a red letter sure. day. Um, a bit kind of, I don't know, I'm of the younger or poor kind of thing. Um, that, um, that they still had this journey to go on. And so um, fast track to um, the, Can sorry. I say this though about, about that example though? Mm. That's what I was thinking of that, you know, with Alma the Younger and, and even with Paul, right? Mm. We get these moments in the scriptural narrative. Yeah. And I think sometimes, you know, I mean, they're writing on, you know, brass plates and, yeah. and doing all this other stuff. They, they don't have time to detail the process. Yes. And so I think, I think sometimes the way the narrative unfolds can give us the, the kind of sense that, well, yeah. once the light turns on, I'm all good. Mm -hmm. there, there aren't any more challenges yeah. or there isn't any more growing with your testimony. Yeah. And I think that's what's so interesting about your story is, mm -hmm. you know, you have this moment, but that moment is almost like a carrot, right? In yeah. front of you, a kind of, okay, this is what it's like. Yeah. And I know I need to work towards this mm -hmm. as, it, as it guides you through that, that process. Absolutely. It was... It, when I look back at it now, I realize that, that so much more, that, that assurance that we're given is actually a, a projection of a possibility yeah. rather than you have arrived. <laughs> and so um, that's, uh, that, that, that's what I enjoy now. And so sometimes I think erroneously, I can think, even now I can think I have arrived <laughs> and it simply isn't the case. I'm still on the journey. Yeah. And, um, and, and the way that sometimes we pass our experience is to say, this is conclusive now, I can park that car. And it's like, no, the moment we actually park the car um, and, and say, this is how things are, I think I've found that I can run into, run into trouble. And so this, this leads quite, quite, quite neatly, segues into, um, so the natural kind of thing for, for this um, man on fire is to go on a mission. Um, so I put in my mission papers. And at the same time, the Lord's doing a number on a couple of my other mates, on quite a few, good handful of us in that stake. Um, that, that Maxwellian kind of blessing yeah. is, is actually kind of starting to bear some tangible fruit. Um, I think it was always doing a number in the background. And notwithstanding, I'm saying to Maxwell, this is Christ just working through, sure. through, through people. And, um, and so I go on a mission. I'm called to Ireland. Um, and then I receive this letter um, from, my, from my mom and dad saying, hey, Robin and Chris, your mates, they're they've squared themselves away. They're coming to Ireland as well on a mission. And I'm like, what? This is amazing. Yeah. And so, but um, I had become quite the zealot before my mission. Um, I was in a fantastic ward, Billingham Ward. I love it. Um, and and the, the people there were so nurturing and so helpful. Um, 
but I just wanted to know everything there was about the church, like at a kind of a, at a head yeah, level. Sure. So I, I, I like blazed the missionary library, like Jesus the Christ, Articles of Faith, Doctrines of Salvation. I mean, these are they're, they're thick books. I hadn't read books before, really. I, I was more of a comic guy. <laughs> I was growing up and they were quick and easy. And so, uh, but I loved it. And so I can remember kind of, I had a job before I went on a mission and I'd be reading those books and I'd just devour them. Um, and, and one of the things about a lot of those books, uh, Mormon Doctrine and the like, is that um, they, they do engender certitude, yeah. the tone of them. I mean, think about the, the titles of them, Mormon Doctrine, <laughs> yeah. Doctrines of Salvation. Uh, what would be another one? Gospel Doctrine. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and so notwithstanding that, I, I suppose I started to soak up some of that, that kind of, I suppose, a bias in a way. Um, and, and it did make my, uh, my viewpoint quite kind of binary to, to the extent where, and so I went to Ireland on a mission and um, not so much in the South where, where it is predominantly Catholic, albeit culturally to, to, to a large extent. Yeah. Up North was, was really kind of, it was fight night on the, um, the old religious debate front because sure. you, had, um, you had a lot of kind of Protestants who were, they really knew the scriptures inside out and they were really fixed in their position, and so it's. So, so did you feel all uh, all prepared and ready to go? <laughs> Let, let's yeah. get ready to rumble. Right. That's what this was, and so um, which is massively the wrong attitude. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Right. I'm here to represent Jesus Christ, and so the first thing I'm going to do is tell you why and how you are wrong. Uh, <laughs> it's like that's simply not the case, is it? But um, and so that was often the way that I would I would come in. I can even remember the context of my scripture study was to kind of if someone had said mm. something in a street that had rattled my cage. Um, I need an answer for that. And so I'd come back, yeah. figure out an answer. And it's like, right, they're going to get it next. The next evangelical I say tomorrow is going to get. So, so how did that change? This is, there, there were a couple of seeds that were planted actually on my mission. Christopher, one of, one of, like one of my best mates in all the world, um, he started to call me. And this was, and they could get away with it because we're really good mates. But him and my other friend started to tell other people, call Elder Morland Reverend No Fun. <laughs> <laughs> Which kind of cuts deep because um, they, they know that. Yeah, because well, 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 yeah, the, the real kind of Christian is, is, right. is kind of a bit of a hail fellow well met, kind of pretty happy-go-lucky. Yeah. And yet I'd started to become this, um, this kind of hardcore binary um, in it to win it kind of character. And, um, and we've discussed this subsequently, like both of us, and he even said of himself, yeah, I think we became the people that we needed to become to get by on a mission because mm -hmm. it is such an extraordinary situation. Right. And, and I mean, I know you served in France for your mission. And so France and, um, and, and Ireland are quite similar by way of Zero success. It's just really hard. Yeah, right. And so, um, so uh, a, a, gr a great day would be, oh, we got to talk to someone for 15 min minutes in the street. Yeah. yeah. And to be fair, we probably just accosted them and they were kind. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> um, sure. But don't get me wrong, there were, there were some success. I mean, I didn't baptize anyone on a mission, but, um, but I know I taught people who went on to be baptized and that kind of thing. But it was massively formative for me. Yeah. And so I come home from a mission. Um, and I've still kind of got this quite binary attitude. And, um, and I can remember that desire for me to know everything about the church had, had continued, um, still was getting my hands on any books. But then I come home and the internet's more of a thing. 
um, and onto the internet I go. And so I'm looking up all of the, the, the juicy bits of church history, polygamy. I need to have a proper opinion on that. Um, I need to have an opinion or an idea about blood atonement. Right. And so, I mean, you, any, anything fruity. Right. Yeah. Oh, Joseph said something about men on the moon. I need to have something to, def to defend that position. Right. Right. And um, I can remember one thing that had been really quite um, formative about my um, idea and understanding of Joseph Smith was listening to the... Um, when I got myself switched on, first of all, there were a couple of really good missionaries who were in the ward uh, in the northeast of England. And uh, one of them had said, you'll enjoy these. And he gave me the tapes of Truman Madsen's The Prophet mm -hmm. Joseph Smith. Now, I listen to those now, and, and I appreciate the target audience was college students. Right. I listened to it now. I was just listening to it the other week. And as, as a communications professor who's gone on to do like a master's in propaganda and stuff like that, it's like, it sounds quite propagandist. It really is quite the glowing report of, of, of the Prophet Joseph. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, he's not going to pile on all of the kind of the difficulties, um, that kind of idea that, that, that Neil and Maxwell say, you don't pluck up daisies to see how the roots are doing. Here's some concerns for you, college kids. Yeah. Um, so I appreciate that. Um, but that had been really formative. And one of the things that I'd remembered that, um, that Truman Madsen had, had acknowledged about Joseph when he'd compared the characters of Joseph to, to Hiram, said that Joseph was actually more flexible um, when it came to his, his being malleable to, to different situations, um, whereas maybe, uh, as a Yankee, you can appreciate this, um, that Hiram had more of that kind of fixed bump, this is whatever, that isn't you, by the way. But, uh, <laughs> um, but um, I think Hiram was a bit more orthodox, it was a bit yeah. more staid and grounded and liked kind of conservative kind of considerations. Yeah. And, um, and, I, and, and I can remember thinking, I need to be a bit more like Joseph in mm. that regard, and that isn't by no way to malign. Um, hiring at all um, and so that was a consideration and so I was all over the internet looking at all of these things however I did it in in a way that um, maybe you didn't have social media back then as what it was it was like MSN messenger and stuff like that so the whole YouTube thing was not really a big thing and so um, all of these things that that young people come across now like these huge, great aggregated lists, wasn't something that I came across. I mean, don't get me wrong, I was on some anti-Mormon sites, right. looking at some, I mean, what is it, Ger Gerald and Sandra Tanner and that kind oh, of wow. thing. Yeah, so I was cool. like, boom, I just kind of like soaked yeah. all of that up. But the, the funny thing was, because I'd kind of engaged with that, when I'd, when I, when I'd come across those things now, it's like, Meh, these are just the same old cookies, just kind of rolled right. up and packaged ever so slightly differently. Um, but what led me to, to, to stop being kind of like uber binary and just calm down a little bit um, was my dad. Um, he was the one that first kind of said, hey, um, I'd had a bit of a, a, a bash at my sisters for something. Reverend No Fun had emerged again. <laughs> um, and so I'd, I'd said something and it was obviously some kind of weird reproof that I felt as the morality place that I needed to, to, to kind of make an arrest or whatever. And, um, and my dad took me aside and said, hey, son, this has got to stop. Mm. This has got to stop. And it was like, hey. Um, and that was really tough because he's like up here for me. This is like, this is like one of the people in my life who I think has made it. But then it caused me just to reflect. And it's like, well, I've seen my dad like blooming lose it and make mistakes. And he's a really good guy. Don't get oh, me wrong. Of course. Yeah. Um, but but it, I thought, oh, yeah, life is actually a little bit more nuanced. And maybe, maybe there's a way where, whereby I'd be able to get back 
kind of, not real Chris, I was still Christian, right. but, but just something that felt a little bit more right. real right. and a little bit more sustainable, yeah. genuinely sustainable. Because yeah. one of the things I love about, about your story, there are lots of things, mm. but one of the things I love is that kind of, you know, maybe moving away from the gospel that you were raised in, yeah. coming back to it. And, yeah. and oftentimes that's where the stories end, right? Mm. It's, oh, look, Chris is back. You know, and and it's almost like, you know, the prodigal son ends that way, right? Where it's like, hey, great, you know, the son's back and then the other son's outside. And then uh, outside the, you know, the 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 place there and uh, yeah, the party, the father comes to see him, story ends. Mm. And with with your story, what's really fascinating is you you have that coming back and then and then there's an adjustment period. You you get to see the process that we don't see with Alma the Younger. Um, So so my last question would be, so so what advice would you give? Um, and, and, you know, may, you know as, as a dad yourself, sure. just looking back at, at your life, what advice would you give to parents and then maybe even to young people about, you know, your whole process and about helping the people that you love, guiding them through, um, helping them with kind of the process that you went through? Um, I think be yourself. I mean, that's, that's a just... I mean, there's, there's, there's a lot of things that we learn from one another, role models and the like, and we, and we can often think that we need to, I suppose, ape what other people mm, are doing. Yeah. Um, and, I, and I think that as a, as a, as a kind of a, I know Terrell Givens calls us an ethnic group, doesn't he? Latter-day Saints, yeah. which, is, which is fine. And I, and I think that as a, as a group, as a tribe, we can find ourselves kind of thinking that in order to, to, to be accepted and to, to demonstrate competency, uh, and to, to tick all of these boxes, maybe we've got to get the forms down. We've got to get the forms down. And so how people pray. And I can remember being corrected by somebody at church. When I first came back to church, I was praying um, and it wasn't with the pronouns that they were expecting. It was, oh, thank you very much mm-hmm. for, for this. And, um, and he said to me afterwards, this, this chapter, um, and he laid it on quite thick. Oh, you're praying wrong. And it didn't feel like I was praying wrong. Right. And so that was a little kind of, oh, there's this tension between what's expected, maybe socially, culturally. And so that, that, that didn't jive. And, then, and so, so maybe after my dad had spoken to me, um, and it wasn't immediately. I mean, this, again, it's a process, not an event. Sure. Um, that, um, that I found myself becoming um, a little bit intolerant of kind of orthodoxy in the church. And it needed to be a little bit more freeform, a little bit more, um, yeah, more flexible. Uh, yeah, a little bit more flexible. And but at the same time, I kind of realised, hey, when you went from being who you were as a teenager to coming back to church, you kind of boom, you went guns blazing into this orthodoxy, and you br- embraced orthodoxy like nothing else. Try not to now. Try not to now. And I think I'm still in this place now. Try not to now. Just become this raving. I don't know, so what someone would call like a, a, a Mormon liberal or something like that, yeah. who's just kind of just swung to the other end of right. the spectrum. Right. And so it's, it's this kind of central mid, middle ground because life, the universe and everything is nothing but a shared space, isn't it? So <laughs> if we are going to get on, even with um, just developing that, that capacity to get on with, with each other and be understanding and be empathetic. So even with your kids, my parents were really really hands off as much as they could be. Don't get me wrong, they were, they were, they were telling offs and sittings down and all of these kind of things, <laughs> sure. which are massively appropriate. Yeah. Um, but it was always without compulsory means. 
if anything that my parents have taught me is that we don't go to heaven in a headlock. <laughs> and so that's, that's one of those things that if, if, if you get there, it's because you want to be there. And so I know it's difficult for, for parents. I know it's um, tricky, but let people do what they want. Yeah, but help them to understand what it is that they want and help them to identify uh, really what it is that they want. And I think that as they do that, that, um, that they'll be one more comfortable with themselves, the relationships that they'll have will be richer, better, fuller, and there'll be, there'll be less form and more power in, in our lives. That's wonderful. Thank you so much. That's a wonderful quote, right? Harking uh-huh. back to the first vision. Yeah. More, less form, more power. That's it. Right? And, and that focus on, on what's authentic and real about, uh-huh. about us. Yeah. Um, and, and, and not only just about us, but the most important thing that you said, I think, the people that we love, what's real about them and, and loving them. Thank you so much, Chris. You're very welcome. Cheers, man. Mm-hmm.